creator and host of Always Shine Brightly. I named this podcast Always Shine Brightly because I believe that is what we are each here to do. And in times where we feel we're not shining bright, I feel it's still our purpose to work through and shift whatever is dimming our light. In this podcast, I'm speaking with guests who I see as bright lights in the world despite any struggles they may have gone through. The more of us who do this, the better the world becomes. Join us on this shared mission to make the world a brighter place. I'm so excited to have my friend Ricardo Flores Clark in the house today. How are you, Ricardo? Awesome, Shanna. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here in your podcast. Thank you. I'm just so excited for people to get to know your heart and to see, just to know the light that shines from you. And But first, I wanted to take everyone back to how we met, which is actually cool. about over 15 years ago. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's like 2004. Yeah, 2004. We were both working at the scooter store, and um, you had previously come from, I guess, an executive position at Sony, and then had come to the scooter store and had a career there, which I was there at the time. We worked on the same team. It wasn't a very long time, but it was enough to make a connection. Were you only there for maybe a couple months on the same team as me? I I started in May, and I think you left maybe late in November. Okay, it was longer longer than I thought, but definitely enough to create a 15-year and growing and going strong friendship. Absolutely. I think one of the things that connected us way early on was our shared interest and passion for personal growth and and the spiritual journey. Though early on, I think it was really that personal growth thread that was drawing us together and has kept us continuing to meet up over time and over time and over time and led us to this moment to be on the podcast so that we can share all the great strengths and, and heart that you have. I just want, I would, gosh, I want to bring people into what I was able to be a witness to at the scooter store, which is you're someone that when you walk in a space, a room or hallway, whatever it might be, that you just light up a room and you light it up because you shine your light and pour it into others. I know there were so many people that when they would come, oh, Ricardo, 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 like this amazing, <laughs> it was just like such a cool thing. And something that you did is, is they felt, they felt seen, they felt lifted up. And oftentimes, if it was a birthday, you would have them stand on a chair, which was quite customary at the scooter store. But you definitely like stand on a chair and gather whoever's around and let's sing happy birthday. And I just think I mean, I know today, like the people at the scooter store would still fondly like if your name came up, it would definitely be a fond memory of knowing just how you made them feel. So I think that's so special. Thank you, Shana. You're too kind. (laughs) (laughs) And, well, I want to give people a little bit of an insight into into your journey of, like, coming, not just that moment in the scooter store, but you grew up in El Salvador, in San Salvador. Uh, I guess it was in San Salvador? Correct, correct, correct. Which I've actually been to San Salvador wow. and to El Sante Beach <laughs> and to I think there's like a crater or a volcano yeah, oh there's yeah, tons volcano. of volcanoes everywhere but yeah, I yeah, think yeah. there's a is it a crater or yeah it's a cra- volcano with a, a crater and they call it El, El Boqueron okay you know? yeah, okay yeah, awesome. I, I have been there <laughs> and um okay so tell us tell us about that and tell us what what brought you to the states and kind of what that journey was sure awesome thank you Shanna so 
uh, as Shani said, I grew up in El Salvador, Central America, and uh, mostly in the city of San Salvador. But El Salvador, just to give you an idea, it's like a super small country, right? <laughs> it's like it's the smallest country in all of America, North, Central, and South, and uh, is about the size of Massachusetts, right? Pretty much. Uh, very, very small. So, so not only coming to the States was huge, but just Texas itself. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> you can feel sovereign 30 times in Texas or something like that. So, um, and I grew up in, a, you know, just a large family, right? A large, loving family. Uh, we're seven kids, you know, mm-hmm. five girls, two boys. Um, where, where did you come in the lineup? Were you the oldest? I'm the second. Second, second oldest. Yes. Okay. Uh, oldest a sister, then myself, then five sisters. <laughs> and then, so I felt pretty lonely for a while okay. until my, my little brother was born. He's 11 years younger than I. So oh, we, there's a little gap there. Yeah, yeah. We have quite the spectrum <laughs> in age. So, um, no, so I grew up there. And one of the most, the fondest memories I have is, is my grandparents, right? They were just such you know, beautiful people. Um, my grandfather had um, immigrated from Germany, emigrated from oh, Germany wow. and, and settled in El Salvador, married this Salvadorian lady that he met when she went on a trip to Germany. Mm-hmm. And uh, and everybody loved him. He was like an extremely charitable person. And mm-hmm. I have to say, you know, in, in many religions, there's this saying that that whatever we do affects, um, you know, many generations, right? Mm. And and I would say that my life and the life of my children is is greatly affected by his being, mm. right? You know, he's he was such a I cannot use any other word that say like a holy person, mm-hmm. right? And and I remember um, just talking with him, playing with him, and. Um, you know how our pa- parents, like, uh, you know, when we're always playing, hey, mom, dad, my yes. aunt, you know, and they're so busy. And, uh, you know, my parents were very, very loving, too. <laughs> yes, you know? yes, of course. But, you know, if I said anything to my grandfather or grandmother, it was like they immediately turned. That's and all they the attention. One hundred percent. Right. You know, and I guess that's what got parents. I mean, grandparents do. Right. So. So I grew up there, um, mostly in an old boys Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Um and then I had the intention of coming to school to the United States uh, for university, so I wanted to learn English. So on my 11th grade, about two-thirds of the way, I switched to a British academy in El Salvador. Oh, my God. You didn't yeah. learn English until you were already in 11th grade? I, in 11th grade. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, I, tra- I tried to learn Spanish when I was like 26, <laughs> and it's still... It's it's okay, nothing fluent. So I can, as they always say it's easier to learn when you're really little, and I wasn't sure if you had learned, like, kind of like a bilingual situation no, early on. I mean, in all foreign countries, I mean, they teach English at some level, right? Mm-hmm. But it's mostly grammar and not enough and, and very little to no conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So what I had to do to um, be able to do my 12th grade in the British Academy, I had to go one week to the Catholic school, one week to the to the British Academy so I could you know, begin exposing myself to English because I was going to be you coming know, <laughs> coming to 12th grade. In, and uh, But I still had to finish my 11th grade in the in the Catholic school, right? Okay. So, um, and I tested for the 11th grade and then I moved there. And then I, I came to the United States, right, to San Antonio, Texas. So really quick, let me just ask a couple of questions. Was it, was it a... Um 
a normal idea to come to the States and do this? Or was this something like a dream that you held separately from kind of the collective? Like meaning, was it, um, was it like, oh my God, that's like so scary. Or was it like almost like fostered? Like, yes, this is the next step. Uh, no, good question. So I had come to the United States multiple times before, uh, mostly to Florida or um, believe it or not, Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> Just went there this past summer. I know. <laughs> I saw your 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 uh, postings on that, and um, you know, in California, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little bit in New York, so um, but no, it was my dad had the blessing um, of coming to school to the United States to some really wonderful schools, right? Mm-hmm. He was just he he was just such a responsible, studious person. And, uh, and I always wanted to come to the United States to mm-hmm. go to school, right? Okay. And my dad had the blessing, and, and I don't say this for anything other than that I admire him for his effort, right? He had the blessing of going to Stanford University oh, in wow. California for his undergraduate, and then he was offered a scholarship to Harvard, right, wow. for, for graduate, right? So it's kind of like the two best yes. schools in the world near, right? So whenever I was growing up, people would ask, hey, where are you going to go to school? And I would say, Stanford and Harvard. <laughs> Little did I know, but no. So, so I ended up coming to St. Mary's University mm-hmm. here in San Antonio. That's how I ended up here. Because a dear friend of mine, uh, whose mom grew up with my mom, was in love with this girl, right? You know, and she, her dad was transferred to San Antonio. So he came following, you know, her and then uh, they broke up. Oh, no. <laughs> As is but, the case sometimes. <laughs> I know. But by then he was here. Then I came because he was here. Um and then, you know, other friends came and, mm-hmm. and then many years after, right? So that's kind of how I ended here in San Antonio. And something else that was unique about your schooling is that Brene Brown was also in school with you? Oh, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. She, so Brene, whom I admire tremendously mm-hmm. too, right? You know, she's, she's really awesome. Yeah, she was uh, one of my best friend's girlfriend. So so we went out dancing quite a few times. We had plenty of talks and, and so uh, cool. went to the same parties, yeah. to clubs, to eat, everything. So and Brene actually came to El Salvador one time as well. Oh really? You know, to visit with, with my friends. So that's kind of a, a cool story. That is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're so you're at St. Mary's and I know I mean your career is in business. So is that what you studied? What did you study? Actually, I studied industrial engineering, which okay. is my dad was actually the first industrial engineer in the country in El oh Salvador, my gosh. right? And I was always fascinated by production systems, by by production, manufacturing, planning, mm-hmm. etc., and and making things more efficient, right? So I studied that I- initially because you know I seen my dad, you mm-hmm. know, do what he did, and I was exposed to that. And then when I graduated, um, I went back to El Salvador, did a project for McCormick Foods, which is an American company. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I got to go back to the States. There was a, mind you, there was a civil war going on in El Salvador from I, 1979 yeah. to like 1990. And uh, so I would always go back home, but it was a little dangerous, right? Yeah. And I thought, wow, I want to go to back to graduate school in San Antonio and kind of like see what I can do in the in the United States because things are not looking very right. promising here, right? Right. And and I came back here and I started an MBA and then realized that my passion was really in the efficiency side of things, mm-hmm. in the in the engineering, in the planning, the improvement. And so I switched to a, a master of science in industrial engineering, which took me six years to oh, wow. to get because 
it wasn't short after that that I started um, working for uh, a manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and by working with them, they extended my visa. Uh, and then Sony from Japan actually mm-hmm. bought that company that used to be Advanced Micro Devices, made microchips. Mm-hmm. And Sony bought it. And, um, you know, I started specializing in a productivity improvement track. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they... They, I developed some unique skills mm-hmm. at the time. So uh, they helped me get my permanent residency and, um, you know, and I was able to, to stay here after that. So it was, that's kind of been the, the evolution there. And so. So, so what, I, what I appreciate about your choices is that they were still aligned with your passions. I feel like I made choices in my degree that I didn't kind of check in and be like, do I love this? Am I passionate about it? I kind of did the whole thing of like, this makes sense to do. This is going to lead to a secure job and, you know, whatever that life looks like. And so that's really cool that you were in alignment with that. But I know there are so many, as with all of us, there are so many different elements to our heart and our passion. And over time, there have been like a buildup of an entirely new passion called Profoundly Free, which I would love for mm. you just to kind of talk about that and share what it is, like kind of where the inspiration came from and what you see the vision for it, how you see the vision for uh, it. Thank you, Shine. So when I was at Sony, you know, I would, I, I realized I got a tremendous fulfillment in removing obstacles for people to succeed and in inspiring people, right? In inspiring people to achieve, um, that was like the more I did it, the more I felt fulfilled, right? And did you do this through like just like personal mentoring, through group, group? Like how how did what did that look like? Well, it looked like I I was responsible for a certain group, right? Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, you know, a, a manufacturing goals, right? Mm-hmm. You know, production output, etc., right? So there were challenges along the way, but we figure out the best ways to do things and or better ways to do mm-hmm. things, right? You know. And um, just that also, you know, when, when, when you have the privilege of being in a leadership position, then you realize, you know, the challenges that people face, you know, sometimes the, the pains that they've experienced in their life. And, and then you're able to, to figure out what you can do to, to heal certain mm-hmm. situations or to help them heal mm-hmm. um, and to inspire them to achieve, to realize that mm-hmm. that they have everything they need to be valuable contributors to our society in mm-hmm. this case through through their work right, right? I love that. so um you know so let's uh, advancing a little bit to sony purchases the mm-hmm. san antonio side of this company right so here come all the sony executives and everything for the inauguration which is really a a, a beautiful thing um and then they they asked me to move into their new factory and to lead the planning and improvement activity. Now, mm-hmm. all the productivity improvement activities, yeah. I had that responsibility. So that was kind of a cool thing, yes. kind of in my, in my you know, will, yes. uh, flywheel, right? <laughs> um, and then the 10-year anniversary was coming up. And I had made, built a good relationship with a Japanese top leader. And he said, Ricardo, I want you to lead an initiative that we call Positive 10. And it was about positive 10-year anniversary, like mm-hmm. this big milestone event. There were going to be all these dignitaries coming from all over the world. And we were going to have this big event and multi-day celebration, right? Okay. 
So, but it was also about recognizing, you know, the behaviors that we wanted in people, in improving the morale. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me to meet some amazing people mm-hmm. because they said, Ricardo, you choose the keynote speaker. Oh. And, uh, you know, just and, hmm. and one of the points that I will talk when we talk a little bit sure. about profound fears is the surrender, mm-hmm. learning to surrender, right? And, um, and when we trust the divine, right, uh, when we trust God, when we trust, you know, what others refer as also as the universe, right, then, you know, things unfold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and it's beautiful. So I was walking in the hallway and then this lady that I had a lot of respect for, um, she hands me this book, Ricardo. Oh, she was in charge of L&D, Learning and Development. Mm-hmm. She hands me this book and she says... Um, Hey, Ricardo, look at the, I got a bunch of books, but look at this one, Executive Thinking by Leslie Kossoff, right? And I look at it, and I'm, as I'm walking to my next meeting, I begin to look at the, <laughs> at the table of contents. And say, this is perfect, building trust, mm-hmm. you know, inspiring with a vision. Yes. So all those cool things. And then, make a long story short, we invited her to come to be a oh, keynote speaker. Cool. And she did an extraordinary job. And the president of Sony Semiconductor Worldwide pulled her to the side after her speech. And he said, Leslie, you said everything that I've always had in my head and I could never express. Oh, wow. And they immediately hired her for six months to travel, you know, all over the world with them (laughs) and help the organization go to the next level, right? Mm -hmm. So... What that experience gave me is is sort of a, a glimpse into the beauty of um, of the the worth and and uh, that people have and that every human being you know can contribute to the whole and about authenticity and leadership right um, and then so we move now to where you and I met and. Um, one time I said, you know, I know I'm in this world for a, for a reason, mm-hmm. right? There's a purpose mm-hmm. for me to be in this world, right? And for all of us. And I started uh, Googling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Google was the search engine at the time, but, <laughs> yeah. but I started Ask looking. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, and then I found, you know, Living on Purpose. Oh, uh, yeah. And I found Life on Purpose Institute, right? So I went there, filled out a questionnaire, like a baseline questionnaire. And then uh, um, two days later, I get a phone call, right? And they says, hey, this is Dr. Brad Swift. I'm the founder of Life on Purpose Institute. Are you Ricardo? <laughs> I said, yes. I said, do you have a few minutes to talk? And I said, not now, but at 4.30, yes. He called me at 4.30. We talked for an hour and a half, right? <laughs> and ultimately, it, it, the deal was, hey, if your vision of living a life on purpose is this high mm-hmm. and you're like over here and there's a good distance, mm-hmm. we should work together. Mm-hmm. If if where you're at is so close to that vision, you know, just keep going, right? Yes. So I felt the distance was pretty good. So I said, let's do it, right? And then, um, you know, I signed up for a 12-week telecourse and then he said, Ricardo, I'll, I'll, I'll gift you an extra seat, right? And then that's where, you know, because of yes, our conversations yes. you and I had about, you know, um, these profound things in life. Yes. Um, you and I joined on that telecourse, yes, right? Yes, you gifted it of, to me. Yes, yeah, thank yeah. you. No, I didn't. He did. Oh, he I, did. Of course, you I'm picked. You were, the, you, cho- you were still a vessel for it. <laughs> yes, yes. I can't do it. Yeah. 
And um, and that's how we went through that 12-week mm-hmm. tail course that I, I truly believe in. And we're having this conversation before the podcast. Like, you know, path is not perfect, right? Mm-hmm. But um, when we can only make improvements to things that are moving, right? Mm-hmm. So I think at that moment, we began moving in that direction. And, and I've learned a lot from that. And then he invited me to, you know, um, not co-teach, but to be his assistant mm-hmm. in the next group of these people from all over the world. I don't yes. know if you remember people from Germany, mm-hmm. England, different parts of the United States, etc. And um, and then I I got exposed, and he says, "Do you want to become a coach? You know, a life on purpose coach?" And I said, "Sure, right." Mm-hmm. So I kind of went through the course, and um, and then I started coaching some people at mm-hmm. work, um, and it's just a very fulfilling experience. So all that to say. Okay, that because I opened that path, mm-hmm. then you know I define kind of like my initial version of my yes. life purpose and everything, and then I started seeing how there was so much, like a crisis of not enoughness yes. is what I would call in the yes. world. And I know you you touched on previous podcasts on 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 what a challenge that is mm-hmm. in this world, and. I thought, no, no, no. My my purpose sort of started evolving to to freeing myself yes. of all the ties that bind us, mm-hmm. and then to help other people free themselves so that they could live. We could all live lives of purpose, mm-hmm. you know, fulfillment, service, and joyfulness, right? Mm-hmm. And in doing that search. Uh, I came across an opportunity to go to a 12-day immersion immersion oh, journey yes, in Bali. Yes. It was uh, with um, a really cool guy named Kut Blackson. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a miracle, you know, how it all happened. You know, so many impossible uh, obstacles. I mean, there were so many obstacles that, <laughs> you know, but I remember the guy that interviewed me. You had, you had to interview for this, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't like, okay, I'll pay and I'll right, go. No, right, right. They to, to see for something that... I don't know, intimate and, and digging into self, you really got to make sure there's an alignment with the entire group. Absolutely, absolutely. And I had three humongous obstacles. And the guy told me, I remember clearly because I even wrote it down, he said, Ricardo, you need to tell God <laughs> that you really, really, really want to do this. Mm-hmm. You want to go on this journey because you want to be of service to the world. Mm-hmm. And let God do the rest. Oh, that's awesome. So from uh, executive planning session canceled, mm-hmm. and that, that was going to be on the For same the days, yes. to my daughter, I had a trip with her that she chose not to go, mm-hmm. that then opened it up. And then to my wife thinking, you go by yourself to Bali, this beautiful place <laughs> yes, in the world. And it's like, what? You know, and, and having a lot of concerns with that and not only that, but the cost mm-hmm. and, and all that. And that we were had to prepare for college for the kids to, that was my last unresolved obstacle, right? Yes. And then when I talked to, to uh, my contact, he said, Ricardo, you have to speak to your wife from your heart. Mm-hmm and what it means to you to go on this journey. Mm-hmm. And I did, and she accepted it. Nice. She supported it. 
Um, she got a little antsy a couple or three days before the trip, but the seashore was yes, made. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I mean, I I I love that from like. I don't know if you're looking at like the attributes of manifestation first, you decided that that Mm -hmm. is what you wanted. And with the, with, with the advice of like basically declaring that that's what you want and asking for a way to opening up Mm -hmm. your energy got really lined up with that desire. And so many people, I I think, forget to line up their energy such faith, so faithfully, even what usually they would look at the, the surmounting obstacles and be like, ah, I just don't see a way. Mm -hmm. But this is so beautiful because you had three significant obstacles and you just placed all your trust in a very active surrender. It's like Mm -hmm. you you still had to take action, but you were doing it through inspiration and you were allowing things to open up for yourself. And and they did. So I just wanted to share that for anyone trying to apply these types of pieces to something they may be intending in their own life. So, so continue on. Yeah, no, no. So, so I went to this amazing 12-day immersion where the island of Bali became the classroom. Oh, right? nice. And obviously with this retreat, there's a lot of things really you, you cannot share. But, you know, it was um, breakthrough after breakthrough after mm. break for all my, we call each other brothers and sisters, yes. right? It was three guys and, and um, you know, six ladies from, from different parts of the world, right? You know, France, Italy, United States, uh, Mexico. And um, I wrote the outline to the book, the my Profoundly Free book, in, on the plane back. Wow. But took a while to, to, <laughs> to write it, right? But my life, my, I had a sh- significant shift. When I came back to work... Um, I was, you know, I looked at things differently and with a lot more freedom, mm-hmm. freedom of expression, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we always used to have a really cool thing with, with you said state of the union every mm-hmm. month, right? Mm-hmm. In which we shared our accomplishments for every team in, in, in my division, mm-hmm. um, the global accomplishments of each division. And then we, um, we share customer testimonies, you know, okay. because we said, why are we here, right? right. And then we share, We all recited our mission and then we, you know, shared, you know, how we change, you know, specific people's lives, right? Yes. Um, and, and some of those were just like, yeah, you know, that's, that's why we're here. And uh, it was very purposeful. And then at the end, I got this inspiration of doing what I called a circle of life, right? Mm-hmm. Before Bali... Um, I would play a song, three minute, 47 yes. second song. And it was uh, Lion King's uh, Circle of uh-huh. Life, right? And then everybody held hands or earlock arms uh-huh. or whatever. And I just, I, I, thought I did a little bit of thinking before of I was going to say, but it was a little bit more inspired mm-hmm. um, action. And, um, but when I came back, I had a new song. Mm. And uh, the song was Lisa Gerard's now we are free. Oh, okay. I don't now know the song, but I like the it's title. Actually, if, if, uh, yeah, yeah, the title is powerful. But if you watch Gladiator, the movie, mm-hmm. okay, at the end of a movie, when he goes to heaven mm. and he's on that pasture, uh-huh. that song okay. at the end of the movie. And actually, the words don't, I mean, I don't understand the word. I think but they're feeling. in Aramaic or something along those lines. Um, and, but the power mm-hmm. of the song 
I, I cannot tell you what it does for me, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of inspiring me, yes, feeling me. And that's the most important thing is just to be able to feel it, whatever it is for the individual person. And so you found this thing that, that set the stage for feeling for you. Exactly. And then now the circus of life had, now we're free. <laughs> and I did very little thinking mm -hmm. before I said, okay, I have a couple of points that I want to make, period. Mm -hmm. And then I, I never memorized anything mm -hmm. and, and I just let the inspiration yes. come out and then just allow myself to be an unblocked conduit to the yes. message, right? Yes. But the messages were in general about the, the power and privilege that we had to be of service to people that really, really, really needed our help. And just to, because just to clue the, bring the audience on board, this is when we were working for the scooter store, which is no longer around, unfortunately, but it is a mission statement that I could still repeat. No, no, yeah, you can still repeat absolutely. it, but just so people can connect to the purpose that okay. you were driving Should home. we say it together? <laughs> yes. Three, two, one. To provide, provide freedom, freedom and independence to with people with limited, limited mobility. mobility. <laughs> Woo, there you go, see? <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so, and I just wanted to give that greater context of like, that's how with the, the circle of life was connecting to the people that were at home who needed a power wheelchair or a scooter and knowing how their lives are changed with it and what it looks like without it. And so really con connecting to that, because I think there are so many people that are, are living their nine to five life and they're not connected to the purpose of the position that they're in. And something the scooter store was very good at was connecting all of us to that mission. And then specifically what you're saying in this moment is you were really rallying your troops and an even deeper level to keep that just at the forefront of this is what you're here for mm -hmm. all these eight hours a day or however many hours it is you're making a difference to these people's lives and with specific stories i'm sure that just brought it to life even more yes and uh so so you was you know really my the, the thing that i had a calling was to help people realize that no matter what their past was no matter whether they had a degree or no degree or it was the wrong degree yeah <laughs> that we had the privilege every single day mm -hmm. to be of service to our clients, yes. right, to our customers. That was, you know, the kind of like the thread that ran the through thread. it mm -hmm. uh, and that brought us all together, right, mm -hmm. for that one common mission and purpose. And just to tell you, like, some of the lives changed, right, because I, I still remember all these stories, Um you know, where the 43-year-old dad that was paraplegic calling us, you know, in tears, right? And leaving us a voicemail saying, you know, guys, I just had to call you. I had to call you to let you know that I got my chair yesterday. And today was the first time in five years that I was able to go out to the back patio. And I actually threw a football with Aww. my kids and um, and I want to let you know that I fixed the grill as well. Oh. Things that you and I yep. would take for granted. Right. But for this man, his life had just changed, right? Mm -hmm. Or the lady that said, you know, guys, I literally wanted to die. I literally wanted mm -hmm. to die. I was living in an assisted living mm -hmm. and uh, I had no life and... With my chair, mm -hmm. now I I've, I've go to the dining hall. I met people. We go to chapel together. We play cards together. Mm -hmm. And um, my life is 
exciting. Mm-hmm. I have friends. I want to live, and you've made this possible, mm-hmm. you know, for me. Or a lady who was lived in a trailer park, and um, her daughter, you know, treated her not very well, mm. right? And um, you know, she left us a voicemail that really touched us one time, and she said, "You know, I just I'm calling you." just to let you know that that I want to thank you. I want to thank you. Well, I want to let you know that I fell down. I busted my forehead, oh, right? Because she couldn't, mm-hmm. um, you know, stay very stable. And But I want to let you know that you've made a difference in my life. You treated me like a human being. Nobody's mm. ever done that. Oh, my goodness. And she was 82 years old. Mm. And we, mm-hmm. we had the privilege of being that, person you know our our employee that person that treated her like a human being mm-hmm. so when we were going to deliver the chair for her i asked the employee would you be willing to fly to this place where this lady lives and you yourself who you made the connection mm-hmm. with her you go and deliver that chair with the technician mm-hmm. right you so, said the salesperson or the person yeah, who took the, the, yeah, the person yeah. that, okay. that, that interviewed her. Not in the her, field. That, yeah, that, the person that felt that, her yeah. pain, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so they went, right? And they were in the van and they were trying to find her. They couldn't find her. And they were, uh, they said, well, we couldn't find her. And they were about to leave the park. And then they just see this lady, you know, leaning mm-hmm. on, a, on a porch in, a, in, in one of the mobile homes and just waving, waving. Aww. And they turn around and then... You know, our employee, her name was is Rita. She gets off and she sees her and the lady's name was Eva. And then they looked at each other and they had tears in their eyes. They hug each other and, and Eva says, Rita, you're just like I imagine you. And Rita said, Eva, you're just like I imagine you. <laughs> and they proceeded. She, she showed her all her birds and oh animals goodness. and everything. <laughs> And it just—it was just a beautiful experience. But it was that opportunity to to really live a very purposeful, professional experience, right? I, I love. Just want to share a couple of things. I love that you've used the word privilege a couple of times. You used it as the privilege of leadership, and then the privilege of being in in the employee in the role at the scooter store to help this particular person, and. I hope that that's something that people consider, too, is this like the privilege that we're in to make a difference and the privilege, especially as a leader, to do it from heart centered and service oriented, that you're there to, you know, just lift the people, you know, to help people, both customers and within the organization. So I appreciate you using that particular word. By all means, I, I truly believe that. Right. So so that was um, so what happened six months after Bali was, well, new ownership had already taken over, you know, the, the company at the time. And they they did not have a healthcare experience, mm-hmm. mostly retail, restaurant. It was a private equity firm, right? Mm. And they were making just a lot of changes. And uh, they ended up eliminating, you know, my layer mm-hmm. and, and a few others. And so I was laid off, right? Mm-hmm. So here was, I was charged, yes. you know, I came with, with uh, uh, you know, a, a wonderful shift and a view of life that was uh, even more inspired. And then I was out of a job, right? <laughs> but it could have been a path clearing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's the point, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's why, you know, um, when I ended up writing the book um, three years later or so, um, 
it was the first chapter is about complete surrender, right? Mm. You know, there's things that we don't have control over. But I love the phrase that I've heard you say in your podcast before. It says that we must uh, realize that life doesn't happen to us. Mm -hmm. Life happens for us, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it is about the opportunity that we have with every blessing, with every challenge to really find that path, Mm -hmm. to confront what needs to be confronted and to conquer, Mm -hmm. to conquer whatever limitation or um, learn the lesson that, that comes as a gift Yes, because it's, it's going to always reveal a deeper layer of yourself. You know, the, the when you think life is happening to you, then you're just getting into a blame mode and that often doesn't feel good. So you're coming from like, obvi- you're thinking something's lacking or your self-worth is being hit in a certain way. But if you utilize it to turn inward and see that no external circumstance can actually affect the truth of your nature, the deeper truth of your nature, the you know the place where we're whole and we are complete, regardless of what happens in our external circumstances, there's real power in that. And you step into that in greater and greater and greater ways and just totally new things can occur. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, but, so the, the, the funny thing though is I wrote the book, but I wasn't quite like all mm-hmm. content with, with how it flowed and everything. So to this day, I haven't published it. <laughs> and, that, and that is... Uh, is, um, you know, six years later, right? Okay. Or five and a half years later. Um, but but I also, you know, there's this Chinese proverb that I always lo- love to um, to share. And it is, because we could always say, I should have, right? right? I should have done this. I should have done that. You know, but, you know, this says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Mm. The next best time is today, <laughs> nice. right? Mm-hmm. And when you call me to invite me to um, be part of your mm-hmm. your wonderful podcast, I was like, you know, I'm busy with work, I'm busy with mm-hmm. sports, and all these other things, mm-hmm. and and family, which right. is my my priority, family and faith, right? So, um, I it's just like I thought, it's time, mm-hmm. it's time, you know, uh, with Shanna's invitation. Now, you know, the podcast will be published on a certain date Mm -hmm. and I must begin my labor of service, Mm -hmm. you know, in helping people free themselves from their self-imposed limitations, right? Mm -hmm. Untie those ties that bind us um, and and nurture the things that give us purpose and joyfulness, right? So I think you're being a catalyst for for this movement to begin. Well, I would say that this is a, a, a new evolution of it because I would say that always in your role with family, in the leadership roles you've had in the workforce, in your faith community, in your friendships, all of it, you've always been coming from the space of lifting people up. And then and as you became more and more aware of, the, of what profoundly free means you have been constantly a ripple effect and offering those insights that you've learned along your way to help people mm. so you are constantly doing it it's constantly been rippling off of you and into the world but this is like a new more maybe it's a more formalized approach if we want to you know put it in that type of type of packaging but it's a formalized way of or maybe it's just another way to reach more people that you're not in one-on-one direct contact with in your day-to-day mm-hmm. life. This is another way to reach more people. So I would just say it's an evolution. 
Thank you. <laughs> you always have a wonderful way to to uh, to help us realize the beauty of life. So th- thank you. Yeah, and that and that's kind of another lesson, right? You know, so after you know having the the privilege to lead, um, you know, at the scooter store and to be of service to others through that role. Um, then it's like, okay, now you have no position, no title, right? That's another lesson, right? Yes. Is your worth based on your position mm-hmm. or title or is your worth based on who God created mm-hmm. us to be, right? Yes. And then it took me a little while to find another job and that was a cool job. Again, I was now spoiled, right? <laughs> I have to work only for companies that have a powerful mission, yes. et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. But one of my um, neighbors, Luis, told me one time, I understand, Ricardo, <laughs> you want to do that, but know that anywhere you work with people, you're going to have that opportunity to be of service to others, right? That's cool. Yes, I agree. All right. And that kind of, you know, opened my mind a little bit more. No, okay, I'm going to be open to to any possibility, mm-hmm. right, where, where I can be of service to others. Um and then I, I found a, a very good job with this company, a biotech company, and then, you know, which was about helping save lives, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. that preventing infections in, mm-hmm. in hospitals. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people go to the hospital, have something, and then you get something, something. else mm-hmm. that is very serious, mm-hmm. right? Stuff that really literally people can die of, right? You know, so, but, but um, you know, I think that the, I was work always used to work for bigger companies so mm-hmm. being in a bit of a startup was yeah. a little not exactly my cup of tea <laughs> at the time so um so then i started doing leadership consulting mm-hmm. uh, and that was fulfilling except that jumping into that without having built you know a steady clientele yes. uh is great you can make in two days what you make in a month <laughs> but you got to have you know quite a few of those engagements mm-hmm. right when you have the 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 wonderful opportunity to support a family right. and to prepare kids for college, etc. So, so I I said I somehow I ended up you know finding my current job, mm-hmm. um, you know, and starting again, uh, not in an executive position mm-hmm. at all, but starting as an engineer, mm-hmm. right? You know, in this wonderful company, and um, again that lesson, right? Mm -hmm. What is your worth based Mm -hmm. on? Your worth has to be based on being of service to others. And to your earlier point, you know, I think if we all realize that it's not, it's not that day when you get to, Mm -hmm. you know, publish the book or when you get to, you know, do speaking engagements, but it is every single day we can be of service to our family, mm-hmm. to our co-workers, to our friends, mm-hmm. to m- our community. And every day we can be living our purpose. Right? I agree 100%. You know, mm-hmm. And on that path, you know, uh, as we intentionally, mm-hmm. you know, follow that guidance that God puts in our hearts, then we will be discovering those you know, new ways to be of service to others, right? Agreed, agreed. So, so take it. So where are you now? You have, you have the draft of the book. You have, um, what, and you have the Instagram account. We'll get that in the show notes. People can go to it. What is your vision for this expression, this Mm. profoundly free expression that you want to put into the world? 
awesome. I said, you, you know, I'm, you're going to get me very excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the idea is, is uh, as the engineer that I am, so, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I can, uh, tagline can be freedom engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, 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 and it's a process, right? Mm-hmm. It's really the liberation um, in our lives. It's a process, mm-hmm. right? And you have to confront certain things. I feel, and you have to to nurture other mm-hmm. things, right? So it's just a, a brief overview of the the areas. Is of course learning to surrender, right? Mm-hmm. Surrender to that divine guidance, to know that life happens not to us but for us, mm-hmm. right? And in every challenge, uh, there's an opportunity for us to grow, right? Um, confronting fear. Mm-hmm. Big Ooh. one. <laughs> we, we all have that. And fear comes in so many forms, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're not even conscious of it, but mm-hmm. it, it drives our actions and, and our words. Um, but realizing that we're never alone. Mm-hmm. That we're never... If there's, there's a saying that says, if you knew just who was taking care of you, mm-hmm. right beside you, you would never be fearful, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And and um, the other part is the power of letting go, the forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? Forgiveness of self for forgiveness of others, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And asking for forgiveness, sort of a triangle, right? Right. You know, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, letting go, right? Mm-hmm. You know, letting go of um, what we may think unconsciously. As, as our right to get back, <laughs> yeah. you know, to others, but letting go of that. Yes. And then being humble enough to ask for forgiveness mm-hmm. when we realize we offended somebody. Right? Yeah, I would say forgiveness has to be the most freeing thing that anyone can do. Forgiveness of whatever you've picked up from someone else that you've internalized as an untrue thought. And you, uh, likely you're blaming that person for whoever said it to you. But if you can forgive the untrue thought, then that person, you know, like you can, that is forgiving that person and letting it, letting you mm-hmm. become free from it. And forgiveness is like, you know, my, my background is at the, A Course in Miracles and the whole book is on understanding what needs to be forgiven. <laughs> it know. is the entire unraveling of what is commonly termed the ego is a complete forgiveness of any belief in lack in order to know our own wholeness, which when you know and become to come more and more from that space of wholeness, you get freer by the increments that you forgive the place that took you out of wholeness. So yes, I would say that is, that is one of the biggest ones. If anyone could, could take that in and and just kind of consider what forgiveness does for you and that it doesn't necessarily condone what was done to you, but it frees you from it. Absolutely. That's that's like letting go of a big sack of rocks mm-hmm. that, that we've been carrying. I think in your previous, you know, one, one podcast you had with Tracy, mm-hmm. you know, you you talked about or, you know, about the, the what needs to be healed inside, mm-hmm. right? You know, for us to feel enough, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, I think sometimes we tend to be harder with ourselves, you know, yes. than than with others. Then it's the the other part is is you know in that forgiveness also comes the the learning to love ourselves and others, right? Mm-hmm. And um, realizing that neither us nor others are perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's beauty in imperfections of mm-hmm. life and people. 
and that um, the grace of l- compassion, the grace of compassion with ourselves and mm-hmm. with others, and exactly. learning to love ourselves, right? And then realizing that we're more than enough, right? Um, that we were created with love, mm-hmm. and that um, we are enough. And I think you mentioned it before, either in our conversations or, or you mentioned it in that podcast, that we've been given everything we need mm-hmm. to fulfill our purpose mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. We've been given everything we need. So we don't need, not everybody needs the 160 IQ or 170 <laughs> right, IQ, exactly. right? exactly. Not everybody needs the incredible um, kinesthetic skills, yes, yes. right? Or dancing skills or whatever that expression of intelligence is because there's these different kinds of intelligences, exactly. right? Um, but for what you have been put in this world... Yes. Um, you have everything you need yes. to fulfill you will, that. You will reveal it in yourself. You'll be guided to what needs to to unearth that in you when you open to it, when you follow the steps that you're saying here, which is to surrender to finding finding out what that is and, and being willing to show up as that. That's right. That's right. Then another aspect of it is is um, the, the power of self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what you think and what you believe and being being intentional about it, mm-hmm. right? And then and being open to feedback, mm-hmm. right? You know, a lot of times we are egos, right? Yes. You know, we get defensive when somebody tells us something uh-huh. that we need to correct. Uh-huh. Um, but all that, you know, can be, we should always listen, right? Mm-hmm. And then we can discern, you yes. know, if it's in, you know, the motive, whatever, um, you know, the intention. And we should be humble enough to say, yep, I got an opportunity here. And when we care about the good of the whole, mm-hmm. once that's one of the most liberating things yes. because we don't ever have to worry about, ooh, am I looking bad? Or, am I, right. you know, it's all about, you know, oh, what a gift because it'll help me be a better human being, yes. right? Or a better leader, or a better worker, a better. Whatever. And with that intention, you know that whatever occurs, if it appears to be you know, quote unquote bad, you know, it was an innocent mistake that there was no malintent behind it because it was an expression from an intention of the good of the whole, Mm -hmm. which means it becomes a learning. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So that self-awareness is is an incredible, um, you know, capability, right? Um, And I I see it at work with Mm -hmm. myself, with with others too. And, um, you know, I've been mentoring someone for for a few months and um and I and and we share a lot and mm-hmm. I've actually been blessed with you know uh, the mentoring relationship uh-huh. you know sometimes we think oh, okay I'm you know right. somebody asked me to mentor him or her and uh, you think it's, it's a blessing for them but you are blessed yes. in, because of the opportunity you have to to realize you know what people go through what's in their minds and then you know, just be able to contribute in any way, right? Yes. One of the things that I realized um, is that, and it's actually something that that it says in the Bible that when Jesus tells his his disciples not to ever, ever worry if they're on a trial, you know, that he will, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit will guide him, you know, on what to say, mm. right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times we get so nervous about you know, oh, I got it. I mean, yes. give a speech, right? So it's like, oh, I got it. No, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 do your homework. You do your right? homework, and then you just trust, trust. and surrender, and 
an active surrender. You're open. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another aspect is relinquishing our need to validate our worth based on other people's opinions, oh, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> that is a tie that binds a lot of us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that it causes all my worth is based on what other people yes. think of me and not on the fact that I was created, you know, uh, with love and to be of service to others, right? Yes. So yeah, That's so powerful. I, I think that every single one of those people put up attention on will begin begin a process of freeing themselves, freeing themselves from, like you said, the opinion of others, which so many people carry that. And that's just like a thread on your energy that's like pulling it down mm-hmm. and focusing. It's also, it's also quite, if we really, I like to use words that kind of cut through to shake us out of it, but it's actually quite selfish to be focused on what other people think of us instead of just focused on service, right? Mm-hmm. And I just use that kind of word. I'm not saying most people be like, I'm not a selfish person. But if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty and kind of like draw that line for yourself, it makes you more willing to be like, oh, no, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to follow that line of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's um, and, and this is I think I've heard it in another one of your podcasts, too. Right. You know, the I think it was it traces the mm-hmm. Barbie, what do we the call Barbie it? illusion, the Barbie illusion. Right. You know, it's just like how others see me mm-hmm. is, is kind of and, and knowing that, you know, there's a need of an inner healing. Yes. Um, on that for us to liberate ourselves from that and then just live on why we were created right? mm-hmm. and and that we have everything we need to fulfill our mission in yes. this world, right? So another one on the nurturing side of things um, that I share in, in Profoundly Free is um, on really living with gratitude every day, mm, right? Um, living with a spirit of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, not only, of course, to others for the kindnesses that they have, but also you know, living with gratitude, having, having practices, right. Mm-hmm. That, that bring that to, you know, bring that home. Like, you know, one of the things I've learned, um, I think you, you pointed me to Lewis Howes. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yes. So, so I order, you know, his book and, um, you know, he said at night as you lay, you know, put your, your, your head on the pillow, mm-hmm. Think of at least three things that you're grateful mm-hmm. for that day. Could be little interactions, could be a kindness, could be a challenge that you experienced that day. But I've done that religiously since I read that book. Oh, that's awesome! And it's it's um, it, it's life changing to to realize how many blessings we experience. You know, if we just Take yes. the time to acknowledge him, right? Gratitude can just like move you to such a state of tears. I know it can to me. And just be so overwhelmed and like, oh my gosh, things are so good. And also just it focused your mind on a way of looking for things that are going well and that are great instead of focusing your mind on something that's missing. So it puts you in that state of overflow, which is just, it feels better, right? It just feels it so much better. It does. It does. Um and, and then another nurturing thing mm-hmm. is, is living in joyfulness, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you, you and I had conversations and, and you've shared that, that when we are joyful and when we share our joyfulness, we're actually increasing the vibrational frequency mm-hmm. in the world, right? We're mm-hmm. bringing, 
you know, um, healing into the world. We're yes. being of service to the world through our joyfulness. Yes. Right. We're adding this like higher quality vibration into into the total collective of all of the thoughts that people are thinking. You know, if you kind of think of it, I describe it as either a cloud or a bubble. You think that there's seven billion of us on the planet. All of our thoughts are going into, the, let's just say, this bubble. And there's some percentage that are coming from fear. And there's some percentage that's coming from love, which joy is, is a vibration of love. And all it takes is for us to hit 51%. I'd like to go 51% of a higher vibration of love, joy, whatever that, whatever that may be, gratitude, all that kind of stuff, to flip the collective conscious from one that's raining down like predominantly a fearful programming to one that's raining down a much more you know, loving, I'm safe, I'm whole, I'm complete, I'm enough programming. So it's really powerful. Yeah, and, and, and that kind of reminds me too of, um, you know, choosing to do things that bring us joy, right? Mm -hmm. If reading books of a certain kind brings you joy, then do that, right? Well, let's hear it. Your, your big your couple of years, I think, oh. are so awesome. <laughs> I can say a couple of them, which I think is just so awesome that one is um, your love for soccer come from El Salvador. Can't be a surprise. Uh -huh. But another one is your, of course, love of Latin dance, but hip hop as well. Oh, of course, of course, <laughs> of course. So let me talk about soccer first. Sure. Right? You know, so yeah, soccer is the the the, the number one sport <laughs> everywhere else other than the United States, yes. right? Um, you know, but I'll, I'll be honest with Our you. football. Yeah, football, yes. <laughs> I did not like soccer when I was growing up. I played basketball and I did track and field, right? Oh, and wow. I was really good at, at those two. I was never good at soccer. So, but, and even I, I played for the St. Mary's varsity team uh, one year, but the practice was three hours a day. I was exhausted. My grades, mm. you know, I paid a price in my grades. So <laughs> I didn't do it anymore, right? And I wasn't even that good anyways, yeah. right? Aww. But my son um, started falling in love with soccer, European soccer. And he, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners, you know, uh, would know who Messi is, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Lionel Messi is like, like the, one of the best mm -hmm. players, if not the best player in the world, right? And um, his team is FC Barcelona, Football Club Barcelona. And um, he started liking and following that team. And because of him, I started following, mm -hmm. right? And then um, we had the opportunity to go to Barcelona. He went to a camp, two-week camp. Oh, at the, that's right. And he was able to see Messi and <gasps> Neymar and Daniel, all these famous players, um, you know, and say hello to some of them, right? And... Um, and we went to the stadium, we saw the museum, it was very inspiring. So I started liking soccer, I started coaching my little mm -hmm. one, right, Carla. Um, and I started coaching her CYO team, that's Catholic Youth Organization. Mm -hmm. And then we formed a, a, an indoor team at Northwoods, very close to here, uh, 281, 1604. And uh, we started from being one of the last teams to then winning the championship oh, four times. Cool. Um, and it was just, I started loving it. And then I was like, I oh, mean, I wish there was a league to play in. And, um, and then somebody called me, the director of Northwoods called me and he says, Ricardo, there's now an over 40 league and there's this team that is falling apart. Do you want to come and take it over? And I said, um, let me go play one time mm -hmm. and then I'll decide. I went and played and then it was like, yeah, I want to <laughs> do this, right? I want to do this. And this was when I was already 53, mm -hmm. right? 
So, uh, so then we, we started from a team of six, seven people, and you need seven to play, right? <laughs> so you're just hanging to in there. To build in it to 14, 15, right? And oh, to always cool. stay in steady at mm-hmm. between 11 and 14. And we've gotten to a point that we've reached the championship oh, now twice. That's so cool. And, and that we won. Now the league got a little big, like mm-hmm. 10 teams. So top four teams play for D1 trophy, uh-huh. Division One, and next four teams, fifth through eight, play for a Division Two. Uh-huh. And then the last two didn't get to do playoffs, <laughs> right? So we ended up winning the Division Two, you okay. know, playoffs. And um, it's just been a beautiful journey, you know, yeah, being able to to, uh, you know, manage the to team. Build the team. To build when the you, team. Because when you, I mean, I've heard of, I you shared with me, like, over time, as you were, like you said, you came there and the team was, you know, kind of, you know, wasn't winning that that level no. yet. And so it was really cool to hear the unfolding of how the influence of, like, leadership and team building and all that came into play to to bring you out to where you are. Yeah, no, it's it's been a beautiful journey. And, and um not without challenges, but we always like we've created a very intentional mm-hmm. culture for oh, the nice. team, right? We, you know, always acknowledging that God is our source, right? Mm-hmm. And that to protect not only us, but really the other team from injury every game. Um, and then just learning to trust each other, mm-hmm. right, in the field. Um, and that's been very fulfilling. And I'm the oldest guy in the <laughs> team, I'm 56 now. So, um, it's but it's it's fun. It's like being a kid again, right? And then the other one you touched on was dancing, mm-hmm. right? So my daughters and I, we go to um, you know Lifetime to a, a club and we do the the dance jam to class the, to the gym mm-hmm. to the gym. And there's this awesome instructor, uh, an awesome community there, uh-huh. right? I think there's five guys in a class of seventy five. Which lifetime? You don't go to lifetime right there at the rim. Yeah. Oh, at the rim. Yeah, okay, never yeah. mind. And uh, so it's a, it's really a hip hop class, <laughs> right? And uh, so I know all the latest songs. Uh-huh. Uh, my daughters and I go, and sometimes say, "Dad, go on stage, go on stage." <laughs> so when they put our favorite songs, then I've even been on stage with Camila or Carla. Aww. You know, our daughters. And it's something we do together, and that I just. It's it's the class is pure joy. That's so cool. Pure joy, right? I I tell the instructor, hey, Roger, you know you're in the business of sh- you know spreading joy, right? Aww. You know, and he's he's absolutely awesome. So, so that's kind of the you know the a couple of ways I guess to bring yeah. joy and to do things that bring us joy, right? And I and I love that. I mean, you found like you did this at my I'm trying to say is that it doesn't matter where you are in your life like if you have an old passion you can look back into it or you can open up to a new one but just like start doing stuff and whatever it might be whatever brings you joy and start expressing it exactly exactly and that kind of leads me to sort of the you know what might be a a wrapping it all up chapter um you know in the book which is um never give up on your dreams Mm. right Mm mm-hmm Never give up on your dreams because those dreams have been put in our hearts for a reason, mm-hmm. right? I love that. And there is there is people that you've been called to be of service mm-hmm. to in this world. And we all have that community that we're here to serve. Yes. And never give up on it. And, and that leads me to your question yes, when you said yes. share about the sure. profoundly free journey. I see this as a movement, mm-hmm. as a movement in the world where people, 
you know, realize what limits them, you know, what binds them and let's go mm-hmm. and let's go and then connect to the source, right? Mm-hmm. Connect to God who is our source mm-hmm. and, and, and really not try to figure things always on their mm-hmm. own, but to allow the divine to come into yes. our lives and provide that guidance and provide that, 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 uh, that light and provide that peace mm-hmm. and, um, and inspiration. And inspiration. Mm-hmm. And then you follow that, right? Yes. And then to trust it when things are difficult, right? Yes. And when we are working so hard to, what do I need to say? No, no, just let that uh-huh. in, 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 you know, what I would say, the Holy Spirit guide mm-hmm. you. Um, and, you know, just as things unfold, I used to follow that guidance, then as things unfold, then follow the next step, right? So mm-hmm. it's never about having it all figured out, but about surrendering to that guidance. And then so I see, yes, I see a book, mm-hmm. you know, coming out. I see um, speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. I see... And, and I, I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but with your speaking, do you feel like you're going to uniquely focus on like leaders or is this still more... That's something you talked about in the past. I don't know if that was still something you were focused on, like creating, helping in the specific like executive leadership world or more just open. You're speaking to people. It begins, it begins with open mm-hmm. um, to anybody and everybody with whom this message resonates, right? right? Um, so it would be retreats, mm-hmm. right? Seminars. It might be online courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be products that remind people of the power of freedom and of the power we have to choose yes. that freedom, right? So it begins with being open to everyone. But I, what I really feel and in my experience in the corporate world, if we have what I would call profoundly free leaders, mm-hmm. organizations would thrive to the highest levels oh, possible yes. because leaders would know that they're there to be of service yes. to others. They're there to be servant leaders, to remove mm-hmm. obstacles, to encourage people, yeah, to hold people accountable, mm-hmm. but to own their development and to own um, their responsibility and commitment to help others succeed, yes. right? So it's not about not confronting, not right. having a difficult conversation. Right. One of the most compassionate things we can do is to be honest with yes. people where they need to make more course corrections, right? Yes. Um, so the the profoundly fleeing leadership comes later. Mm-hmm. You know, it's first open, and then okay, and I then see. creating a movement in the corporate world for purposefulness, profound mm-hmm. leading from the heart. What some yes. call leading from the heart, leading from within. Um, but profoundly flee leaders mm-hmm. that are would revolutionize corporations, wow. right? Yeah. And would make corporations be purpose-driven, mm-hmm. uh, not just beautiful mission statements on walls, mm-hmm. right? Or, or values that, okay, yeah, they're <laughs> nicely framed, but yes. that really are alive. Yes. That are alive and people find a sense of purpose in them and find joyfulness in the owning those values and and those missions right i love it because i think especially like infiltrating these these messages into the corporate world is just going to touch that many more people and i feel that you know these messages are for everyone and then that's just like one vein that it can reach people and um but in the meantime how can people reach you to connect with you and the information that you're sharing 
Oh, thank you, Shannon. So, um, as I said, I'm establishing, already established the Instagram mm -hmm. presence, um, you know, Profoundly Free Movement. Mm -hmm. and that's the handle, right? and I'll put it in the show notes as well for y'all. Yes, and um, I will be creating a website mm -hmm. in the next, um, you know, few weeks mm -hmm. or maybe yeah. may go into a couple of months. Um, I will also create a Facebook page, um, mm -hmm. you know, that should be ready by, by the time sure. this interview we'll is mm -hmm. available. And um, just taking one step at a time, one day at yes. a time, right? Yes. You know, where um, follow the guidance that I feel, that inner guidance, and, and having the courage to take the next step, right? I love it. Well, thank you, Ricardo, for coming on today. I just, again, want to acknowledge you for just being an expression, you know, of these higher qualities, just your whole life, your whole life. And I love that it's just getting honed over time, which I really believe is what we're each here to do is just to constantly hone in on aligning with higher qualities of love, joy, forgiveness, you know, all of it ties into what I term higher qualities. And for you just to constantly be honing that and then constantly in alignment with the idea of I'm here to serve. Who am I here? How can I serve? How may I be of service? I love that you've embedded that in all your roles in the workforce, both at the executive level and at any level that you've been in. And I know you do it in your with your family with the people you come in contact with with your friends i know i've been the recipient of that so i just appreciate you coming on you're you're definitely someone who shines bright in the world and i'm happy for people to to know your heart and to connect to your work thank you so thank much thank you shanna thank you for the invitation truly a, a a pleasure and a joy to be here sure thank you we are the love we are the the music on the podcast is a song I fell in love with called We Are the Love We Give by Imaginary Future. It's available everywhere music is sold.